ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. is our midweek custom here on Hard to Paint. We are back on Wednesday with another edition of the Dome Patrol featuring my good friend, my colleague, my brother, the one and only Mr. Ross Jackson. Ross, how are you doing? What's up, brother? I'm doing well, man. Glad to be back with you as always. Look forward to this every single week. Appreciate you as always for having me with you, Ben. It's I, I, I keep getting like more and more people keep telling me, like, I love the Dome Patrol. The Dome Patrol is hey. one of my favorite things. Um, so I, I appreciate it. Me too. That. <laughs> I, yeah, I appreciate it. I love it too. I mean, <laughs> selfishly, it's like it's just me and you getting to talk. And then right. if other people dig it, cool, great. <laughs> other than that, it's me and my man getting to talk football every That's week. It. So. That's it, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, bro. I'm always glad to be here with you. How are you holding up? I'm doing well, you know, like I said, ready for to move into the new house before Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's my Christmas gift. My wife asked me if there I was going to get anything else. She was like, maybe I'll get you something. I said, I just want to open up something. I can't open the house on, on Christmas. <laughs> but give me something. You know, I'm used to my mom. She puts a stocking out for me every year. Oh, yeah. And it's the same one we've had since I was a, a, a baby, basically, from Dang. Michigan. And it's the, she's preserved. And you can tell, like me, my brother, and my sister, like our, when our stockings were made, uh-huh. by the quality of the oh, stockings. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so mine is 1975 vintage. <laughs> it is a 45-year-old Christmas stocking, and it looks as such. The glitter job was not great on writing David. <laughs> and then my brother's sister there is all in cursive and all, you know, fancy. And, and now that's my a testament. Daughter, that, that's a testament of free time over time too. Like how, <laughs> how much, right. how much more time did I have around the holidays? First child, the third child, like right. And then the grandchildren now they got the quilted stockings with their names. On. Oh so yeah, because they ain't nobody in the house. Ain't nobody in the house. That's easy. Nope. <laughs> so like my mom traditionally she puts in like a, a bag of cherry sours. Uh-huh. A bag of gummy bears. Uh, and then she gets me like stuff that guys need. So she'll give me, sure. she'll put in cologne, deodorant, yeah. stuff like socks. A little, pair, a little pair of socks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mom, <laughs> that's mom. So I appreciate it all. You know? And then she'll throw in like one thing, random thing for my wife. And she'll put that in there, like a little trinket. And then she'll get her gift on the side of that too. But it's funny because it's like, I have to go through my stock and be like, this isn't mine. I didn't ask for lipstick. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. <laughs> I'm not a blip balm. That's not for me. That's not mine. This, this honey lip smacker is not for me. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the Saints. And um, so last week they went 21-16 over the Falcons. They get their playoff berth for the fourth time in a row, which is a Saints yeah. record. Um, they If they beat Carolina at the end of the season, they'll be the first team to ever go perfect in the NFC South. Yeah. Um, they they haven't clinched officially the division, but they've, they've clinched the division. Yeah, like, they're one win serious. away. They'll be fine. <laughs> like, even if they tie with Tampa – Right. Tampa's lost twice to the Saints. It's not possible. Right. It's really not possible here. So let's just – that's also would be a record as well for this, not only the Saints but for the division uh, yes. for somebody winning four in a row. There was a lot of good. There was a lot of mm, – and there was some bad in that yeah. game. Yeah. Um, let's start with Taysom because everything has to start with Taysom. Yes. Some spectacular moments. You know, the 43-yard run. He had some mm. really nice throws at times. 
But to me, the same things that we talked about in week one for his starts, we're still talking about in week three. Yep. Anticipation is still lacking. Um, holds on to the ball too long. Definitely. Already been sacked nine times, where Drew Brees has been sacked ten times the entire season. <laughs> and then the fumbles. Two more fumbles. Yep. Nine fumbles this season. Yep. Nine fumbles is a lot of fumbles. That's a lot of fumbles. That's a lot of fumbles. I had somebody ask me uh, today, too, like, the Saints have 24 fumbles on the season. Why do they have so many fumbles? It's like, well, it's because Taysom has nine. <laughs> like, usually you're used, to, usually you're used to your quarterback, right? Drew Brees having five, six on the season, but you're not used to having an additional nine from a second quarterback. Like, that's that's new. That's a new thing for the Saints. And it's, it's honestly new for Taysom Hill. Like, Taysom has usually been – really protective with the ball. He welcomes contact. So that was a big part of his game over the past few years. Uh, and then now all of a sudden it's, it's a big issue for him. And we know that Sean Payton traditionally does not have the patience for fumbles, but there's a big difference between benching uh, a running back in the middle of a game when you have Alvin Kamara and benching the starting quarterback that you're trying to groom to be the heir apparent behind Drew Brees. Like th- those are two very different asks, but it's still a very serious issue. And it's a ball security issue that Taysom Hill has got to fix. He literally runs right now. And you can see it, especially on that last fumble uh, late that could have cost mm-hmm. the game. He's running with the ball loose. Yeah. It's not up against his body. He's not mm-hmm. running with it up the point against his uh, uh, bicep, the way that they're taught. He's leaving the ball out away from his body. And these they're not these are not great hits a lot of the time that are jarring the ball loose. They're right. simple, as you said, it's fundamental ball control issues. Yeah. And those things are intolerable. Yeah. And we saw the defensive back for the Falcons, and this is what you're gonna start to see. Everybody knows Taysom Hill has a fumbling issue, so they're gonna start punching at the ball. And that's exactly what the DB did. He didn't really even go for the tackle on Taysom, which could have extended that drive and helped to solidify the win for the Saints at that point. He grabbed onto him, reached around, and just punched the ball right out of his hand. Now, the Saints were lucky enough that it rolled backwards and out of bounds, forcing Atlanta to burn a timeout. But that's not what you want to see. I mean, you want to see Taysom Hill turn that corner and then end up getting to, you know, break through a tackle where they're trying to strip the ball from him like we we're accustomed to seeing from him. But that's just not been his game so far this year. The ball security issues have been a big deal. And then the the, the first fumble in the red zone where they were on the five-yard line on a second and goal, a lot of people will complain about, and, and, and Coach Sean Payton did the same thing. He mentioned that, you know, they should have run the ball. There was no reason for that play call. He put him in a bad situation. But also just take the sack. Just take the sack. Don't play hero ball. Like that was one of the things that we praised about uh, Jameis Winston, even though he took two sacks against the San Francisco 49ers, he didn't try to throw his way out of those sacks. He just took the sack and he lived to fight another down and including a couple of times in the red zone, or at least very close to you want to see Taysom Hill make that better decision. Jared Cook was open. I understand the impetus to try to get him the ball or to try to throw the ball away, but just take the sack third down. And then if it doesn't work out, then you put up another three points on the board. At worst, you're up now 24 to nine at that point. And the Atlanta Falcons, who showed you against the Raiders, when they scored 43 points the week before in week 12, they live off of scoring points off of turnovers. That's part of their momentum game. They, They cash in on turnovers. And the only time that the Falcons found the end zone was off of that turnover against the Saints. And you look back at the 43 points that they scored against uh, against Las Vegas, they only scored 17 points outside of the times that they turned over, uh, that they had turnovers that, that led to scores. Let's talk about the anticipation a bit. Um, there's still a lot of throwing at receivers. 
part of that is just lack of reps. We understand that. But part of that is who Taysom Hill is. I mean, that's that's the way he throws the football. Yeah, he's a natural gunner. Like, that's what he wants to do. I mean, it, it's upsetting. Not upsetting, excuse me. But it's frustrating because you saw it on the touchdown of Jared Cook. You saw the, the, the zone open up. It was the double post route. The post that came underneath pulled the safety down. Alvin Kamara coming out the backfield pulled Deion Jones down. And then Jared Cook had a spot, ironically, on the L of the Falcons, which I just think is beautiful poetry. Um, he ended up just putting that one in a spot and letting Jared Cook go and get it. That was a great anticipation throw. He was, he was pulling the trigger before Jared Cook even made his break at the two-yard line. All of the things were there. We've seen it a couple of times with Michael Thomas as well. But then we also saw like the pass that almost got intercepted early on in the game to where if he would have arced it and put it at a spot downfield toward the sideline, then you give your receiver the only opportunity to make the catch. But he tried to gun it in on a tighter angle, and then that ended up almost getting picked off because once DBs start to see that that's the way that you choose to throw the ball and you choose to hit those routes, they're going to start undercutting. Yeah. And they're going to start cutting under those routes. And that's where those interceptions come from and potential pick sixes as well. It's a, it's a similar issue to the one that Jameis Winston has had over his career. It's where the lack of touch, although we've seen touch from Jameis Winston, we haven't seen so much touch from Taysom Hill yet. Uh, and obviously there's a big difference between the number of, you know, between having 81 attempts in a season and then having five seasons of starting quarterback play right. for Jameis Winston. Right. So obviously there's a big difference there, but that's part of what led to a lot of Jameis Winston's interceptions outside of, you know, tip passes and things like that to where he tried to gun in at an angle, as opposed to put touch on the ball and then get the arc in, which would have put him in better situations. And we've also seen the Saints struggle with consistency scoring points across four quarters with, with yeah. Taysom. It, the offense needed to be able to put the Falcons away, and they weren't able to do that. They, were, they didn't get that hammer drive right. that you want in the second half, especially down the stretch, to put Atlanta away. Um, Sean Payton tried to vary things. The running game was not abandoned in this game, mm-hmm. but they just could not sustain anything really in the second half. Yeah, it's it. I mentioned the very first week that we saw Taysom going up against the Atlanta Falcons the first time is that one of the things I wanted to know about Taysom is does he have that killer instinct? Can he put a game away? And so far we haven't seen that because then he in that game when he had the opportunity to put the the like really put a punctuation mark on there, he had a 20 yard run that ended in a fumble and a turnover. He had uh, against the the Denver Broncos, a bit of a different game, not really. I mean, that game was over the moment that everybody stepped on the field. But then in this game, you saw the the fumble in the red zone an opportunity to go up at least 24 to nine, potentially even 28 to nine. If you, if you get into the end zone on that one, Um, it was uncharacteristic to see them call a passing play for Taysom Hill. Usually in the red zone, five yards away, you're looking for a quarterback power run, but that quarterback power wasn't working. It didn't work very much all throughout this game. The big run that you saw from Taysom, now he had 83 rushing yards, so obviously he was fine, but the big run that you saw was a scramble on four on, uh, on that 43 yard run. So, I think that it was uncharacteristic to see that it put him in a position to where he had to process faster and a, a, a shorter and a lesser, a more condensed field, which I think looks like something that he's still struggling with at the moment. Obviously red zone, you know, we talked about his small sample size, mm-hmm. red zone snaps at even smaller sample size for the guy. So it makes sense, right? This, he still looks like a quarterback who's making his third start in the NFL, despite the fact that he's been in the NFL since 2017. So those are some of the things that you get a little concerned about is where you aren't seeing the improvement. There are moments where his 
like the highlights are the highlights and there's no denying any of that, but you have to look sort of in order for him to get better. Drew Brees didn't become Drew Brees because somebody told him, Hey, your footwork's great. And that's all that yes. they ever talked about. You know what right. I mean? Like that's not, that's not how this works, you know? And so you, when you look at Taysom, there are still things that you want to see him, see him improve upon for sure. Because ultimately when you look at overall of his stats this season, the passes again have been very safe. Mm-hmm. You know, just he he's not taking chances in that regard. The bad throws that he's that he's made that have been almost intercepted, like you said, they're throws of lack of touch. They're not throws into let's say bad windows. He had a couple of bad throws against mm-hmm. the Falcons, but not a ton of bad throws because he takes the safest option nine right. times out of ten. Um, so his yards per throw is not great. His yards per attempt is not great. Yeah. Um, his even his rushing average is basically in line with what he's done his entire career. Mm-hmm. He's still even with that forty-three yard run that boosted it this season, but it's still roughly around five and a half yards per carry, yeah. which is what it's always been for him. So it's not like he's doing amazing things, but he's not playing poorly either. But there's still this wide range of right. reactions nationally. You see, some people say, "Well, Taysom oh, yeah. locked it up. He's proven that he's the quarterback of the future." Yeah. I'm not willing to give that yet. That is not an indictment of Taysom Hill, but I think it's still, like you said, it's so early for anybody yeah. to be saying that I know for certain this is an NFL caliber starting quarterback. Right. It's, it's, it's a classic. I mean, it's a classic issue of like people just, people want to be right right now so that they can talk about it later and everything. And that that's, that's a fine game to play and everything like that. But like for most of us, what we're most interested in is just seeing how this all how this all pans out because it's it's an interesting thing. This is a this is a, a venture, a far venture from what we're accustomed to seeing in New Orleans because what we're accustomed to seeing is a Drew Brees led offense. Now all of a sudden we're starting to see new things. We're learning a lot about Coach Payton and how quickly he can adapt a game plan, how much uh, sort of the how, how he could be successful over a wide variety of game plans and everything as well. Like there's a lot to take away from this, but what we don't know right now, what we can't take away from right now is whether or not. Taysom Hill is the heir apparent to Drew Brees. We're just not ready to answer that question yet. And that's okay. It's okay to not be ready to answer that question at this moment. Even Coach Payton himself said that they believe that the next quarterback is in the facility, right, is in the building, but they're still learning. Believe and know are two different things. Believe and know are two different things. And they want to be proven right. Uh, they they are giving Taysom the opportunity to prove them right. He's still under contract for next year, so no matter what, yeah, he's not going anywhere. Right. But, you know, my thing is, yeah, that, this week is going to be very interesting for him, and we'll get to that into a, into that in a moment. But for me, it's it's even if he plays another two or three games, I don't think that's enough to make that decision off of. I think there's still a yeah. lot that you would you want to see from him and it would go into next season if you're hoping for a normal calendar year next year for the NFL or or as close to it as possible whenever we get on the backside of this pandemic then there's still I'd like to see out of him over the offseason into next preseason all of those things I'm okay yeah you got the wins that's fine but we still don't have a body of work like you had at least with the Teddy Bridgewater before that to compare it to and say Teddy looks like what he looked like in Minnesota. Okay, cool. Right. Um, there's just a lack of 
of something with the Saints right now offensively. Mike Thomas, I'm glad yeah. he got back on track. That's yeah. that's a good thing um, to show that they have, that he can have some chemistry with Taysom, that Taysom can, can allow him to have 100 yards in a game. I was glad to see the number of receivers who did catch balls. Yes, that's that was always a good thing. A good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, they like you said, Sean Payton, to me, his ability, that's part of this too is – how much of this, how much of this is just the intelligence? And I don't even have to say genius, but the intelligence of Sean Payton in adapting from week to week, his game plan to, to put Taysom in position to attack that opponent and to minimize Taysom's weaknesses. That's yeah. as much on Sean Payton as it is on Taysom Hill. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it has to be, you know what I mean? That, that was the case with Teddy Bridgewater. That's going to be the case with Taysom Hill until and they it's even have, the case with Drew Brees. And it's, yeah. And it's even the case with Drew Brees, right? Because even when you look at where Drew Brees has been most successful, a lot of that has to do with the game plan that Sean Payton and he build together, right? Like it, it, it's a share, it's definitely a shared thing, but it, it's, it, you know, and that's not to say that Sean Payton is made by Drew Brees, that Drew Brees is made by Sean Payton, but they certainly emphasize one another and support each other in such a way that they do perform at their, they make each other better. And I think you would see the same thing with Taysom Hill and Sean Payton. It's just that what is the ceiling for Taysom Hill in terms of how much he can be made better. Sean Payton is going to open up opportunities for him to be able to make half field reads. If he ha- if he continues to show a limitation of reading the full uh, field, which he did a little bit better in this game against the Falcons and everything. So you did see some, some, some improvement there, uh, not consistent improvement, but there were times where you saw that improvement. Uh, but either way, Sean Payton can build a half field read system. You saw that on the touchdown to, uh, to Jared Cook that we just highlighted and that we talked about all of those routes that I talked about all combined over on the left side of the field which is where Taysom Hill is extremely comfortable. He's shown to be very comfortable on the left side of the field. Note both of the touchdowns, left side of the field. Some of the big plays, left side of the field. So we've seen that from him. Now, can he, can he take that and move that over to the right side? We saw that a bit against the Denver, in the Denver game. We saw him complete 11 out of 14 passes, I want to say, on the right side in this game. So good news in terms of that continuing to, to go, including three of three beyond 10 yards, which is great. Um, but the thing that I've enjoyed seeing and that really shows you that this is still very much a Sean Payton system is that you're not seeing six, seven passes, 20 yards down the field. We saw him take one weird, questionable attempt to Tommy Lee Lewis deep down the field in double yeah, coverage. I, I don't know what, I don't know what that was about because he had somebody open much closer to him. Uh, but again, wasn't I, it, I believe was, it was Cook who's open. I'm pretty on the, sure it was Jerry Cook. Yeah. I think so. It was a crossing route over either over the middle or an out route, one of the two. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you want to see him make some better decisions there, but you're not going to, you know, completely tear him apart for one or two decisions, just like we're not going to, you know, go ahead and, you know, hang the laurels on one or two touchdowns, right? Like there's still much more to figure out. And I think that you're right. This conversation does have to continue on into next season in order to really get an opportunity to understand is Taysom Hill going to be the guy. This isn't just about 2021. This is about 2021 on and if there's an opportunity to bring in another quarterback to compete with him or Jameis Winston comes back and competes with him all of those things make Taysom Hill a better quarterback in terms of challenging him but then again that question still remains what is really the ceiling for his improvement I'm not saying that it is anything or isn't anything we just don't know what it is yet you can't we don't have a big enough sample size we just don't um let's go to the defense they played okay in stretches gave had some big plays and key moments um, mm-hmm. the pass rush was still consistent, but mm-hmm. some, some interesting mistakes 
in the second half in particular. Um, Marshawn Lattimore, this season has yeah. not gone as he would have, have liked. And the Atlanta game was – you put that in the bottle of things that just show that it's, it's just not been his year. Yeah, he he had he struggled a bit against Calvin Ridley for sure. Um, there were also some examples of him actually being in fairly good coverage, but the issue continues to be a lack of ability to make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's part of where it is because you can say, oh yeah, no, he was in good coverage, but Calvin Ridley just made a great catch. But if you look at each of those great catches, the contest wasn't necessarily there. So it's like a you know it's like a it's like a five in in basketball you know in the NBA being in the right position but not doing any not raising an arm. You know what I mean? Like you, you can never get the there. board. Yeah, you right. Never yeah. get the board. You're always right. in the spot. You yeah. never get the board. Right. Like you can be there all you want, but if you can't make a play on the ball, then those catches just, you know, they go from being a 50-50, that goes from being a 50-50 ball to a 60-40 ball. That's a big difference. That's a big difference in favor of a wide receiver. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are going to point to it and say, well, they were getting a lot of flags and maybe he was playing down because he didn't want to catch a flag or anything like that. And it's like, no, get the flag. Like if you're going to give up the catch anyway, <laughs> at least get eliminate the, the potential, at least eliminate the potential for yards after that catch, you know, which we saw um, at the end of the game in the, I think it was the final drive before the Hail Mary. Yeah, it was the final drive before the Hail Mary when Calvin Ridley made a catch. Marshawn Lattimore missed a tackle. Demario Davis missed the tackle. And then Calvin Ridley was able to run out of bounds after picking up some yard, yards after catch, which we didn't see, which we don't see the Saints give up a ton of right. so far this season. And so, you know, look, it was a it was a bad game for Marshawn Lattimore. Not the greatest for sure. Um, you it could have been worse. It could have been much worse. That's all I'm going to say because, you know, you didn't have Janoris Jenkins. Partway through the first half, you lost Patrick Robinson. P.J. Williams had to come out, and they put him on Julio Jones because the last time they put him on Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley almost went all pro in one one (laughs) half, you know? And so I I understand the decision to put him on Julio Jones. P.J. is a little bit more physical anyway. Um, So it it could have been much worse. But I think that, you know, look, you give up a 100-yard receiver, in Calvin Ridley, you give up a 90-yard receiver to Julio Jones, but they only get in the end zone once, I think you'll take that. And, I mean, allowing only one of four in terms of your scoring possessions in the red zone, good stuff. Good, And like you mentioned, good times, good plays and key moments and all. There were a couple of big plays given up, but great bracket coverage in the second-to-last drive between P.J. and Marcus Williams. Uh, P.J. doing a great job keeping the outside leverage. You saw great coverage on the – well <laughs> – Okay, you saw great coverage in terms of being ready for the Hail Mary, but then you also saw that ball live in the air just, just too too damn long. Thankfully, C.J. Garner-Johnson got into Calvin Ridley's head, and yes. so I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've seen this. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had, really, that, I had yeah. that on the list. <laughs> so we'll, was, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll no, go ahead. It. Go into it right yeah. then. He, he, didn't even, he didn't even make a play on the ball. He wasn't even trying to win the game. He just went at C.J. Garner-Johnson, full people's elbow up in his neck. And everything instead of making a play on the ball. So, I mean, like, thankfully, CJ found a way to get into another receiver's head, even though CJ got a penalty called on him earlier with throwing a throwing a punch at Russell Gage, like the old mm-hmm. SEC rivalry came through. But it was, you know, it was just, it was wild to see that from Calvin Ridley. Like, didn't even try to make a play on the ball. And thankfully for the Saints, he didn't because that ball lived in the air so long that he might have been able really to make did. a play on it. And, and you also have to give the Saints the stop on Todd Gurley. Yes, yes, thank you for that. that yeah, the big play, tackle for a loss. Because yeah. I'm looking at it, I'm like, after you'd watched the previous drive and it was really easy for the Falcons to move on, get that, that touchdown and bring them within five. Then they get the ball back again 
and you're like, oh, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna put this in. It, it felt it felt like they had the momentum. I was shocked by the play call first and foremost, right? Because you had the Saints reeling, and you do the thing that they love. You give the Saints; they want you to run at them. They right. are waiting for this, and yeah. so to me, that was the shock. Was that a that the play call was at the wrong time, but b that even with that, the Saints were prepared for it. They they did yeah. not break discipline. In, in the fact that that, that you, I would have been anticipating a play action or a pass in that situation. The defense did not over anticipate the guys yeah. stayed disciplined and went after that and got a big loss on that play. Yeah. It was a great read by uh, CJ Garner Johnson too. Like just to go back to him real quick. Like he, I know there was a, a defensive line that got into the backfield on it. And I want to say it was maybe Trey Hendrickson or Carl Granderson. Cause it was over on that offensive left side. I can't remember who it was, but either way, one of the defensive linemen gets back there and then CJ Gardner Johnson's there ready to, to continue to make the play. Demario Davis is back there to continue to rate, continue to make the play. Um, I thought that that was, I agree, a very questionable call, but it could have been something that caught the saints off guard and they did a very, very good job. Uh, making play, making a play on on that. They also did a really good job guarding and taking Hayden Hurst out of the game again. Mm-hmm. That has really become um, uh, one of Matt Ryan's favorite targets, particularly in the red zone. And for the second game in a row, they they took him away. Uh, Quan Alexander breaking up a couple of passes on him. He played outstanding. He gave up. He he was responsible for the touchdown against Russell Gage. But I mean, look, if you're gonna get that matchup for the offense the offense is going to win that matchup more times not especially in the red zone on a rub route like you know linebackers aren't trained about how to handle a rub route like that's a db thing and you know he's played some slot and everything like that we've seen that in uh, san francisco but the saints tend not to put him in that situation so far Mm -hmm. and so it was just a situation to where it was one of the few times where he was asked to do something he's not usually asked to do and the saints have done a very good job of just asking him to do what he excels at and so uh but outside of that his game was phenomenal he had another great game he's been outstanding since he showed up yeah he did like it was again you notice him yeah and that is an important thing for any players that i see you like every time i'm looking up i see kwan there he is (laughs) he's right in the middle of it and that's that's what the saints need i mean they really needed that they needed somebody who was going to to generate action and that's what he does yeah he bought that action boss yep Oh, <laughs> um, so I mean that's that's pretty much the bow to put on that. It, it's not a lot yeah. to spend on the Falcons. Um, you know, we, real quick, real quick, real quick. I I I can't not say this. Trey Hendricks has got ten and a half sacks on the season. Yes, he does. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't tied, know, man. Tied for third in the NFL. Tied for third. Tied for, yeah, yes. yeah, and not far removed, right? It's like eleven and a half, eleven and ten and a half is where he mm-hmm. is. It's nuts. Like this, this is a team that almost rewrote the entire NFL rule book to get Jadavion Clowney in new Orleans to be the third edge rusher. And Trey Hendrickson has had this outstanding season. And Clowney's had a disappointing season. He has, I'm not going to be not a bad season, but he's not been what they thought he was going to for the money they paid. It hasn't been the impact that they thought they were going to get. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm not talking about sex, but just impact. He hasn't had that impact. Definitely. And of course now I believe his seasons, I believe his season's over or in jeopardy one or two or it's over. Um, So like, I, I think that, I think, you know, I think a lot of people will be quick to say like the Saints dodged a bullet. You don't know that Jadavion Clowney would have had the same issues with this medical staff and, and things like that. I know that the Saints medical staff is not ha, does not have the most glowing reputation. Uh, it has been much better as of late, but we don't know, right, what he looked like in New Orleans. We, we won't know that. But 
clearly the Saints are fine because they're also still tied for third in the NFL in sacks as a team with 36. So they're and they're essentially right. right now are the number one defense in the NFL. Yeah, like for all intents and purposes, you yeah. go across the data. Then they're, I think they're still num- are they they're number one in DVOA, aren't they? Number one um, in DVOA, total DVOA. I think they're number three in defensive DVOA. So they're they're still right up there. You look at total and they're top five there. in scoring margin. They're yeah. top five in, in, in every category. The Saints are yeah. there. They're yeah. there, and I, I think they are the best defense in the NFL right now. I, I would say that that's the case. I agree. Um, when we talk about the Eagles, we'll get into the individual parts. But first, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, they pl- Kansas City's on the horizon. The Saints can get caught looking ahead." This is not a trap game in my mind. No, because the no. Saints know they have to get the yes. buy. Yes, that's the thing, and and like there are no trap games from here forward because they don't have the option to feel comfortable. <laughs> you know, I had somebody ask me that too about the Falcons game. Like, is this Falcons game a trap game? And I'm like, it's a divisional game, so no. Like, there are no trap games in the division unless maybe you're in the AFC East. Like, that may be the only exception, right? Like, they, that might be a thing, but. When you look at, you know, the Saints playing and trying to stay alive in the playoffs, not even trying to stay alive in the playoffs, he's trying to stay alive for the number one seed. Seattle just lost the game, which complicates things for New Orleans. You needed Seattle to stay tied with Green Bay. That way you had the option of a three-way tie between the three of them. There's still the opportunity that something like that can still happen, but it just gets a little bit trickier as long as Seattle Seattle dropped that game to New York. Like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, well, like, A month Seattle's been – Kind of really, like what happened to Seattle the last month? Yeah, yeah, they've really not been good. Um, and Russell, Can we Wilson, talk about Russell Wilson the last yeah, it's month. It's been Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's like, who I put it on because it's the turnovers. It's the to not MVP. Yeah, like <laughs> real quick. Uh, yeah, there was some switch that flipped. I don't know what it was, but they need to correct it for sure. Uh, but you know, like it, it does, it does complicate things for the saints and, and it keeps them to a point where they, they have to stay on top. Yeah. Like they, they have to perform. So I wouldn't expect this game. And the other thing about it too, is that when you have a backup quarterback, that's another situation to where there's no such thing as a trap game because you can't sleep on any game because you have to be prepared because you have to prepare your backup quarterback. There's a, and it's a rejuvenation of energy. Uh, so far that we've seen from new Orleans, but in order for them to stay alive, not only do they have to win, but they have to win without Drew Brees again. And they've done it eight times in a row, which is extremely challenging to do. Doing it for a ninth time in a row will also be extremely challenging to do. You know what I mean? And winning a 10th game in a row for the season. So, you know, I, I think that that's – I think it's a really good point. And, you know, the, the, the Eagles still have something to fight for. They'll have a rejuvenated energy themselves as well going into this game with Jalen Hurts as their starter as opposed to Carson Wentz. So there, there's a lot of reasons to look at this and say, no, not a trap game. Still a very important game. Now – the Eagles did go out and sign uh, Joe Bocci from the practice squad to get a little help, I guess. Apparently, they do not know Sean Payton. Like, it does – Sean Payton has given that man nothing about what he's going to do with the Eagles. No. Nothing. No. Doug Everything Peterson, else is already on tape. Right. He and Doug Peterson are already friends, too. So, like, everything Doug Peterson is going to know, he already knows. Like, Joe Bocci's not going to go in there and be like, oh, all right, here's what they plan on doing. Because, first of all, you sign Joe Bocci, right, who doesn't even fit your scheme because you don't like, you don't like linebackers in Philly. You like safeties. Mm-hmm. You just want five safeties on the field. That's all you actually want. And then you sign Joe Bocci. Joe Bocci is like a classic hard-nosed, downhill, thumping <laughs> Sam linebacker. The dude is not going to fit in Philly at all. So it's like, what are you doing? And then you sign him first, and then you announce, 
oh yeah, we're going to start Jalen Hurts. So whatever game plan they might have talked about that Joe Bocci may have overheard from the other room, maybe, uh, you don't, you're not even getting the most up-to-date information because everything just changed for the Saints. I, I didn't Especially get it. Quite, I don't know. I don't get that. I didn't get it. I thought it was just like, okay, do it. Yeah. Do it. That's, it was one thing when Bill Belichick used to do it because he was doing it primarily to be petty. Right. Like he didn't really care. Right. He just bring guys in and just be like, yeah, I sign them off your team just to screw with you. But right. this seems – I don't understand it. Like you said, it doesn't match the personnel. It doesn't give them any particular insight. And he doesn't as – a, as a rookie, this dude doesn't have much information. They haven't right. given him much at all to deal right. with in that locker. I mean – Yeah, at best he's touched the playbook. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, he's and on, and he, they probably did it like – for him – they probably did it like they do with soap opera actors. You only get this week's pages, man. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't get all the pages. You don't need to know what's going on with the rest of this, the, the, the script. You just get this week's pages. We'll see you in another one next That's week. right. That's right. So and, just, you know, and most of the time, if he's on, when he's on the practice field, he's on the practice field as a part of the scout team. So he's running somebody else's defense on top of that. Weird. Weird choice. Let's look at the injury report real quick because that's a, a concern. The mm-hmm. The – there's there's a lot of talk. There's an outside shot that Breeze will start. I don't see how that happens. That the Saints would not bring him back on the road in the winter in Philadelphia. I just don't <laughs> see that being no, your first definitely. start back for a dude who's got eleven cracked ribs. Like if yeah. they're healing, the winter is not outdoors. Is not the place to start that <laughs> healing process. That's 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 a very good point. Uh, yeah, no, I I don't see him coming back this week. I think even if he's ready, right, like. Ready and healthy are going to be two different parts of this conversation, right? Like the risk of re-injury is a different conversation than are you ready to be on the field? Mm -hmm. So I think that like there's that, right? There's 11 rib fractures (laughs) that you have to make sure aren't going to get re-injured. There's a collapsed lung that he's having a rehab for and everything. Um, So there's all of that. But outside of that, this continues to give you an opportunity to look at, to get a look at Taysom Hill and to learn more. You've got 81 passing attempts by him so far on tape. That's what you've got in terms of meaningful NFL starting quarterback throws. That's what you have on, on tap for him right now. This is a number seven ranked passing defense that may not have Darius Slay next mm-hmm. week. That's going to be really important to look at because he essentially suffered an injury that feels very accustomed to what Janoris Jenkins suffered against Denver, which rendered him unavailable for Atlanta. So a seventh ranked passing defense that's aided by a pass rush that may be without its top corner. So there's opportunities there to open up for Taysom Hill and the passing game. And the the Eagles, birds, the Eagles got, I think they're like high 20s or, or rather low 20s in terms of their run defense. So you still have a run offense behind you that can still continue to potentially for the third week in a row put up more than 200 rushing yards. So this is a good opportunity. This is a good chance to get a look at Taysom Hill. This is a really good game for him on the road, unfamiliar opponent, a good pass defense, but with some opportunities available for him because of some potential injuries there, a good offensive line versus defensive line matchup with Tron Armstead, hopefully being back off of COVID IR this week. And then you have a running game that should still be able to produce. This is a good opportunity to learn as much as you can about Taysom Hill in a really specific situation that doesn't match up against the super familiar situations that you've seen. And then the kind of like take away a little bit, give away a little bit when it came to the Denver Broncos game. And when you're going up against a Jim Schwartz defense, you know there's going to be a lot of pressure. 
There's right. going to be a lot of blitzing. There's going to be a lot of people coming at him. So that's something that they they you're going to see normally for a rookie quarterback. But in this case, it's going there's going to be more than normal. So there will be those opportunities for big plays, either in right. the running game, getting past that first level and having space to run. Um, there'll be opportunities for him to scramble. There'll be opportunities for play action. All those things are there against an opponent that, yeah, has something to play for. They're not officially out of the division race yet with three wins. I don't, uh, right. But, it's wild. <laughs> but at the same time, in, an organization that is quite frankly reeling, that, that doesn't yeah. know its coach's job is on the line. It's starting quarterback. His future with the franchise is on the line. Um, the general manager's job could be on the line. So people, there's a lot of folks in Philly who are up in the air. So yeah, I wouldn't, I, there's to me again, unless you feel like, there's some point in this game where that it's getting away from you. But even then I'd be surprised at that. And yeah. why, you know, and you still have Jameis there. So if that's the issue that you're not making passing plays, I just, I just, I just couldn't see it. Even if Breeze walked in the room and said, I want to play. Right. No, I just, I just don't see it being this week. Yeah. Um, and I remember somebody also saying, uh, as some national commentator said, this is the end. We're not going to see Drew Brees anymore. And I was also like, are you insane? Because again, you must have never met Drew Brees because there's no way that dude is not participating. I don't care if they told him all, they had to remove 11 ribs. He would find a way <laughs> to get on the field. <laughs> and replace them with what? Yeah, like, Because I'm ready. If that's the case, if there's no more fractures, I'm Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put bike spokes in there right, or whatever yeah, that's it takes? fine. That's fine. I'll I'm good. Just put a big – just put a rim. I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Put a, he'll, he'll wear an oaken barrel <laughs> right. like in the cartoons. He'll do that. Whatever it takes. I was like, there's no yeah. way he's done, but also just don't think he's coming back this week. Um, the other yeah. injuries, Marcus Davenport, Andrews Pete, Deontay Harris – like I said, Janoris Jenkins, Marquez Calloway. Yeah. The report will come out today. We'll get our first injury report of the week. Um, how likely are those guys to be in that group to be back on the field this weekend? Yeah. I think Andrus Pete's pretty likely came back last week, struggled a bit. I think he allowed five total pressures in this game, which is really uncared. No, that was Nick Easton. Nick Easton allowed five total pressures, but, but Andrus Pete contributed in that, in that as well. Um, the play, the, on the fumble, actually, the interior pressure came from Andrews yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it's like – Yeah, roasted for that one too. Yeah, big time. Um, and so – but I would expect him to be back on the field next week. He, he still had a, a good game. It, it's just a situational pass rush moment to where it's like, that's probably one you don't want to give up, homie. Like, it's that kind of a thing. So it gets accentuated, you know. It feels like six – six pressures that he gave up because it was on that play. And because uh, it's Andrews Pete. It and because just, it's Andrews Pete. Like, it's just going to get blown up because it's Andrews Pete. Like, that's always going to be the case. He's it's that like guy. A, like, yeah, yeah he's, the, he's the guy no matter what, it's worse yeah. than him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back. I, my hope is that Tron Armstead is back. Um, again, this thing affects everybody differently and stuff. He was pumped after the win and everything on Twitter. So I know he's ready to get back. He was just on uh, – uh, off the bench just a couple of days ago and everything. So it seems like he's fine. He's obviously very excited. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. That was Sheldon Rankins who was on there. He was on the defensive line, not the offensive line. So, you know, you, you, the hope is that you see uh, Toronto Armstead back for this one. You hope that Janoris Jenkins is back too. Um, I, if for nothing else, but to get reps before the Kansas City Chiefs game. You know, even if he's on a pitch count or something like that, uh, I would hope that he's not just like coming back 
into taking on the Kansas City Chiefs because I don't know what that matchup is going to look like. I don't know what that matchup is going to look like. I don't know if they're going to put Marshawn on Tyreek Hill, which Marshawn struggles against those receivers, those speedy, quick, shifty guys. Do you put Janoris Jenkins there and tell him just knock him over at the, you know, at the snap, like disrupt his route. You know what I mean? Because that's something Janoris Jenkins could do well. He's got some speed, but he's also coming off of a knee injury. So you don't want him to come off the knee injury and then go up against a guy that's going to make you run and change direction a ton. Um, but then opposite that you've got Nicole Hardman. So is that any, is that any better a matchup for him? And you're dealing with Travis Kelsey down the middle. And Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey against CJ Garner-Johnson, though? I'll take that. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'll take it as in I would love to watch it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, not an advantage matchup. for the Saints. It's not I'm an not advantage. <laughs> not at all an advantage. But we'll talk about that next week. But, uh, but you know, like that that factors in a little bit for me in terms of Doris Jenkins. I mean, the hope, obviously, is that you do have him back. And if not him, then hopefully Patrick Robinson, who was dealing with a hamstring injury coming into this game, had a leg injury that forced him out of the game. He was questionable to return. He did not make it back to the field. You assume it's probably still a hamstring. Hamstring has been a consistent issue for Patrick Robinson throughout his career. So hopefully he's okay. Um, when it comes to Marcus Davenport, because it's a concussion, right. you just don't know. You know, you just don't know. And it's just because he had like late, late developing symptoms. So he technically practiced Tuesday with the concussion, which isn't great. Uh, that doesn't help. But, you know, if you see him limited, then that's good news. If you see him DMP, then you get a little bit concerned. But you really – it's really Thursday's injury report for him, for, Mar- uh, for Marcus Davenport. That'll tell the story. Um, Philly's team lost four in a row. They get Jalen Hurts in, like you said, rookie um, out of Oklahoma. Yeah, he played – had some good moments against Packers. Yeah. Five and a half yards per play. They scored their only TD with him at the quarterback at, – mm-hmm. at quarterback. Um, the big thing for him is going to be like it is with any rookie. Don't make stupid mistakes, and the right. things that he doesn't do well, he's not going to throw the ball deep. That's not what. That's not his game. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a timing guy. So it feels like for the Saints, the tight ends are going to be the biggest part, and they have a, a good pair of tight ends in Philly yeah. with with Ertz and um, excuse me, uh, Dallas Goddard. So mm-hmm. yeah, you got two really good tight ends in Philly. That, that to me seems like that's going to be where uh, they try to get some advantage for Jalen Hurts, some quick, easy throws there. Um, and then, of course, his ability to run is something that the Saints have not seen this season. They have not played any uh, mobile quarterbacks this right. season. Last season they had some struggles against Russ when he was running. Which, again, uh, Deshaun Watson gave him some fits in the first game of the season mm-hmm. with his ability to get outside. He scored that big touchdown early against the Saints in week one. Um, they haven't seen a rushing, a running quarterback in quite some time. Yeah. I think that there's, there's two, well, there's three things to me, excuse me, that give the saints that make me feel comfortable at the saints level of preparedness going into this game up against a mobile quarterback. Um, having to develop a 24 hour game plan to be ready for wildcat. That is something that to where you can take some of those rules and then adapt them to a usual passing set wide nine, seven tech play by the, by the ends using linebackers in the C gaps to make sure that you don't give up anything, any off tackle runs. The saints did have done some really interesting things over the last couple of weeks where they've put Sheldon Rankins. It's usually when it's Sheldon Rankins and David on Yamato on the defensive line together, but instead of having one on like the, on like the right one, like at the right a gap to the right of the center, and then having one in the C gap to the left of the center, which is your usual one and three tech type situation. They'll have both of them in one and three tech, but on the same side 
of the field on the same side of the center, and then they'll put Demario Davis up against the line of scrimmage, sugaring at either the A or the C gap. So he'll either bail out and cover, or he'll or he'll be a part of that blitz and that interior pressure. All of those things would work against a mobile quarterback in terms of getting pressure up the middle, but also containing on the outside because you have those defensive ends that are playing that wide nine technique to where they get a little bit more depth in their pass rush set so that they can contain uh, the mobile quarterback. The key is going to be not allowing that gap between the end and the tackle for him to be able to run in between. So that's going to be linebacker play and everything like that. And so this is a, this is a game where Quan Alexander and his range, Demario Davis and his range become really important. And Malcolm Jenkins and his intelligence becomes very important near the line of scrimmage. So I would look for that. Those are things that make me feel a little bit more comfortable. The other thing that makes you feel more comfortable is that the saints have the, um, have been practicing against Taysom Hill. Like he's gotten those, he's gotten those first team snaps. He's gotten scout team snaps before that to where he's been playing and he's been, you know, playing somebody else's offense. But, you know, now he's got first team snaps playing against and playing as a mobile quarterback against this defense. And so that's extremely helpful for them to have that, that preparation and and some of those things. Um, The other thing that I think that the saints will do well, and and we've seen it as the defense has gotten more and more comfortable is disguising coverages. What they're showing pre-snap is not what they're playing post-snap, things like that. We're seeing them play still a lot more deep safety, single high safety looks either cover one or cover three, but showing a lot of split safety looks cover two, cover four before the snap. They're doing that a ton so far this season. And I think you'll see that against Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts has been noted as being somebody that's a slow processor. It's one of the reasons why the, you know, throwing deep hasn't been his strong suit. Although I think he's a better deep ball passer than maybe he thinks he is because when he has, when he has taken those shots, at least in college, he was able to complete on those. But some of the things to consider is that he had a much better offensive line at Oklahoma. He does not have a very good offensive line in Philly and he had much better skill position plays players in Oklahoma. And maybe with the exception of tight end and in Alabama too, and in Alabama. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, he's been the beneficiary of, of those units this time, he's going to kind of have to do a little bit more of it on his own. Maybe tight ends would be the exception. Right. And of course they're a new quarterback's best friend anyway. So they have a damn good pair of them um, in Philly, but I think that those are the things that make me actually feel pretty comfortable about the idea of, of going up against Jalen Hurts. I'll be really interested to see some of the things that Dennis Allen does in terms of his pressure packages and his coverage packages to try to confuse disguise and take advantage of what, uh, what Jalen Hurts is seeing and how he's processing it. Yeah, because that's the, the big criticism for Hurts coming out of college was he's great in the classroom, understands yeah. the playbook up and down. But once he gets on the field, that anticipation, the same thing we talk about with Taysom Hill, that Taysom ability Hill. Mm-hmm. to process and anticipate quickly um, is is not there yet. If, it, yeah. if it's going to be there, it's something that has to be developed. It's not natural for him. Right. Uh, and, and that – making your first start against the number one defense in the NFL and doing all of those things, it ain't going to be easy. You know, like it's even Philadelphia. And I, you know, I always, you you do this, you go talk to the Philly folks on uh, your counterparts Mm -hmm. for locked on Eagles. You'll be talking with them. And I go and read the other stuff. And even Philadelphia fans are like, yeah, this is just about impossible for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> but they all the, – the, the, the consensus, though, is it'd be worse for Carson Wentz. Like, right, it would be even right. worse for Carson Wentz because at least Jalen Hurts doesn't make dumb decisions. He right. won't do those things. And whereas Carson yeah. Wentz apparently is uncoachable. 
Like he's, at this point, they're saying he's uncoachable, which yeah. I don't understand for a dude who's been benched as often as he's been benched in his career. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we have to imagine, we have to remember it too, that he's a small school guy. He came out of North, what was it? North Dakota, North Dakota State, State, same place that Trey, Trey Lance is about to come out of. <laughs> like when you come out of a small school like that, usually like you are the coachable type because you've had to do everything on that team. You know what I mean? You've had to, you, you know, you've, you've helped coaches. You've had those conversations. Like you've played so many different roles as a leader on those teams. And then now you're taking this humongous leap from small, tiny, tiny school in North Dakota to the NFL. Usually that's the most coachable guy. That's like, you know, that's the first round equivalent of an undrafted free agent that's coming in and is like, all right, I, <laughs> I'm a sponge. Like I'm here to I mean, soak everything let's, up. Let's apply that to Drew Brees. Right. You could say Purdue, look, Purdue at the time, and still yep. today, Purdue's not yeah. on the football map. And right. even with him, they were about an eight-win team, an eight-win right. team year in and year out. Drew Brees was a guy who was not recruited by the University of Texas, mm-hmm. not recruited by Texas A&M. Right. Not, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. part of the Drew Brees thing is not only his edge, his, his unbelievable, unflappable belief in himself, but it's the ability to work with a Joe Tiller at Purdue, yes. an ability yeah. to go in in San Diego and work with Marty, Marty Schottenheimer before they made the transition to Philip Rivers, to and then to come in and work with Sean Payton and, as you right. talked about earlier, negotiate the offense to figure out, this is yes. what I do really well and this is what you want to do. That's every level for Drew Brees has been that. And, for like you said, for Carson Wentz to come in and not be that, it's one thing to be confident in your abilities and say, I know I can run an offense. But to not say, I need to get on the same page with my coach for me to be successful, to think that you can go out on the field and change plays, which right. essentially is what Carson Wentz has been doing, it's insane. I don't, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah, and I don't know if some of it is that he feels like he has to individually prove himself beyond Nick Foles, who, of course, like came in and you know led this big charge and won a Super Bowl and everything. But the way to do that is to – like, like Nick Foles didn't do it on his own. Like Doug Peterson, <laughs> that was Doug Peterson. Like, so you can already see like what the example of what you could be doing here is, but instead you've chosen to go this other sort of crazy route. And now there's this conversation about, you know, can Carson Wentz be out in Philadelphia next year? And then inherently that conversation turns into, well, the Saints are looking for a quarterback. Maybe they'll be interested in Carson Wentz. I don't there's see it. No way. There's no way. Not if that's his reputation. Not if that's his reputation. Like if he's going to straighten that up, maybe, but if that's his reputation. But why would you take right. that risk if you that's already have Taysom Hill in the building right. and you have right. Jameis, who is at, at the very least, we know Jameis is coachable. We know right. Jameis wants yes. to listen and learn. Yes. So why would you take the risk on a guy who's more expensive than either right. of the two guys you have in your building? Right. And is not going to give you team-wise. No he's not going to buy into the culture based on right. what you know so far. And there are still better options that we've already discussed, like a Matthew Stafford, Matt Stafford who you would please. believe would be ultimately coachable. And now everybody's talking about they want Matthew Stafford all of a sudden. Everybody wants Everybody's him. trying to claim Matt Stafford. <laughs> and I, I get it. Like and last week, he was flinging it last week. Right. The last three games in a row, Matthew Stafford has been throwing the ball. Yeah very well he's auditioning he's saying look if i'm not going to be here next year i'm going to let everybody know <laughs> i'll put all this on tape and then i'll go i'll go wherever i'll go for whoever trades for me but i'm gonna put this i'm gonna put this on tape i'm i'm auditioning 
and he's still relatively young. Like I said, I, I would take mm-hmm. the, the, the chance on him way earlier than I would take it on Carson Wentz. There are a number of quarterbacks that I would take the risk yeah. on before I got to Carson Wentz. Yeah. Think better on drafting. Yeah, right, right. I can, I can also see, especially with this franchise too, which has shown that it doesn't develop rookie quarterbacks. It's just not a part of the, not a part of the culture. Um, the thing that I also look at is that this Philadelphia change at quarterback at this moment can be very much like what was experienced in Chicago, right? To where you're struggling with a starting quarterback. The difference was that Chicago was struggling with that starting quarterback, but they were still winning. Right. Uh, but you're struggling with the starting quarterback. You switch over to him. He has some success at the final, you know, and his, his coming in in relief, but then trickles off toward the end. So we saw some success from Jalen Hurts. Again, the only touchdown came with him throwing the ball. We all saw him throw an interception. So, but there was success there. So does that success, is it more likely that the success stays consistent or that the struggles stay consistent? And it's probably the latter, just in terms of the way you have to look at it. And this is, you know, this was the third point that I wanted to make about the Saints being prepared for Jalen Hurts is that, it's not like Jalen Hurts is going to come in and start this game. They have a half or whatever, you know, a portion of a half of tape to see at least here's where he struggled. Here's here are the coverages that he faced against Green Bay. Here's where, you know, he found his receivers. Here's what he looked for. Here's how quickly he went through his progressions. Here's what we can do about that. And he's, he's just a Green Bay's defense is not the Saints defense. Not at we all. We know this. So not even close. Um, he's not seen this. Right. You know, if, I, if you're Jalen Hurts, he's he can't even anticipate really because they are going to do things that he's never seen before. And, right. and like you said, the Dennis Allen, this is the kind of advantage that he loves to work with. Yeah. And uh, I think that yeah. you're going to see. So, yeah, I, I really believe this is big for Quan and um, Demario Davis. Like they're going to be very very active in this game, maybe even more so than usual because I don't see a lot going beyond ten yards for the Eagles. Right over the right. course of this game. Everything's yeah. going to be in that range. Yeah. And if the uh, Eagles are smart, if the Eagles are smart, they'll lean on their run game too here. Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, really, really good, really, really good running backs. And even if the, even if the running game isn't producing, right, if you're still under, if you're still averaging, you know, the Falcons were 3.3 yards per carry last game. But if you stay consistent in that, you can look at the Falcons drive, the scoring drive, they stayed consistent in the run game throughout all of that. It still affects the game. And so yes. that would still set up Jalen Hurts to have maybe a little bit, feel a little bit less pressure, all of those other things that kind of come with having at least a run game that maybe isn't producing to an incredible amount. You're not averaging, you know, 5.9 yards per carry like the Saints did last week, but you still have a run game that is pacing the game and pacing the rhythm of the offense. And, and I think the other part of that would be is if you're the Eagles, you're trying to do a lot of what the Falcons did offensively. Yeah. You're if you're not going to score, take some time, mm-hmm. flip the field, make Taysom go 75, 80 yards. You you'd have to say, you know, if you're the Eagles, you're like, well, I don't think he can do that four times. I don't think he's going to take them down the field 80 yards four times. So if we just don't turn this over, we can be in it. And that's the best thing if you're Philly is be in it like Atlanta was. Try to be in the fourth quarter and give yourself a shot. And maybe you get something to go. Or you jump out early, you get a big return. You maybe Taysom makes a mistake. That's If that's what the Eagles are hoping, that's what you'd have to hope for. Is that you get a fumble out of Taysom early and you can turn that into points. Or you get a, a big return or something that puts you in a short field to work with. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's just going to be hang around because yep. you can't ask Jalen Hurts to win this game for you. You right. can't say go out here and beat the Saints. That makes yeah. no sense. 
Yeah, and that's that's the big difference between what the Saints have asked Taysom Hill to do and what the Eagles are going to be asking Jalen Hurts to do, right? Because you can't ask that of Jalen Hurts, but he also doesn't have the skill position players around him that have the level of talent consistently across the board that the Saints have to where you don't have to ask Taysom Hill to go out there and win a game for you. You can ask Taysom Hill to go out there and facilitate a win along with the incredible skill position players that you have and the literal superstars that you have on your team. That's one thing, but to ask a rookie quarterback to come in and make his first start with Travis Fulgham and Alshon Jeffrey, who just caught his first pass of the season, it's it's not as simple. And we've seen and we've seen Marshawn. They talk about a matchup that Marshawn Lattimore has had success against. Alshon Jeffrey is one of those fun matchups to watch with him. They they don't. It's not a team with a lot of top end speed. It's right. not, uh, the Eagles are not a big play right. offense. Jalen um, Rager is like the one. Yeah. And, and he's it. not gonna he's just not gonna get the opportunities. It's just right. not gonna happen. Um, you know, right now the Saints are like a seven and a half point favorite in this. And I think that's about right for the Saints. You know, it's they're not gonna blow people out with Taysom Hill under center. Right. Um, you know, again, we don't count the Denver game. That was just yeah. an anomaly yeah. in American history. And we just pretend <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> Rewritten in the history books, yes. like much like much of the rest of when it. They, when they send, <laughs> when they ask, you know, the, my man Kendall is sending his gloves and his play sheet. I'm so to glad. The Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, word? he deserves it. <laughs> I mean, he deserves it. <laughs> I, I'm 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 guessing he never thought he was going to get into the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? A good point. And yeah. now, hey, I'm in there for 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 being the most unprepared quarterback of all time, and that's not a knock on you. You know, as a man, it's just that's why you're in the Hall of Fame. That's why your right. stuff is there because you yeah. are the in the COVID year. You did something that no one has ever been asked to do. <laughs> and probably so, no one will ever do ever, ever again. <laughs> ever, ever, ever again. Like, it's weird. it is weird, though, that the Saints don't have a COVID quarterback. That tells you so much, again, about their culture. And right. the way that they protected that team is that so many teams have a COVID quarterback. Saints right. don't have a COVID quarterback. Mm-mm. They're not worried about what's going on over <laughs> And they haven't nope. had the, the, the kinds of negative te- – I mean, positive tests that right. you're, we're seeing around the league that are pushing teams to play games on Tuesday nights yeah. and, and such. <laughs> Look, Wednesday Wednesday day football Wednesday was – yeah, That was – the Wednesday afternoon football was the worst. Waff, uh-uh. No, that just – are you on your it lunch it break? Doesn't, it doesn't hit the same. Yeah, yeah it doesn't hit the same. <laughs> Those notes don't slap like they do no. on, uh, on 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 Sunday nights. You don't get the number one crew for middays on Wednesdays, man. It just no. it doesn't. Mm, no. No. no, no, nothing had nothing has the number one crew on Wednesday in the middle of the day. Den- but, Denny's Denny's even puts the worst waiters out there on when in the middle of the day on Wednesday. James Harden don't go to the strip club on Wednesdays. In right. The <laughs> Those yeah, are the imagine. girls that he was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James Harden. Oh, James. Oh, James. James, James, James. <laughs> um, so I, I, I really don't see a challenge for the Saints. We can, it's really uh, – now it is essentially a race for them with Green Bay. That's all this is the rest of the way. It's a race for them yep. with Green Bay. The schedules are not that different. Mm-mm. I mean, it's, it's the, it's, it comes down to the Kansas City game, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Saints the rest of the way. It, it's If they get over that hump, it's smooth sailing into the postseason. Um, for Green Bay, it's you look at their schedule, there's nothing really of significance for Tennessee, them down the stretch. Yeah, Tennessee's the hardest game that they have. And and don't, I'm not, I don't mean to say that to be dismissive of Tennessee. I'm just, you know, it's not Kansas City, but it's still a very, like that would be, if, if the Saints lost 
to Kansas City, which won't affect the conference record, by the way, which is a good thing, um, then that Tennessee game is probably the best bet that they have for Green Bay to drop a game to keep them clear in number one. Yes. And you and that's a game that you'd have to have Derrick Henry go nuts in. Yeah. Which you is possible to, because yeah, Green Bay's run defense. Yeah, always possible. Yeah. Green Day, Green Bay's run defense is it's not and, good. But now as, you, as as we look at this as we get to the stage and, and we started saying that nobody had really separated themselves. Well, now teams are kind of starting to separate themselves in the NFC. It's true. We're starting yeah. to see a cream rise to the top, and it's 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 clearly a dividing line between the Saints, the Packers, and everybody else in the NFC. Yeah. It, that's done. And in the AFC, it's become, okay, suddenly the Ravens look a little bit better, and everybody's like, oh, okay, maybe the Ravens are on their way back into that group. And then Pittsburgh loses its first game, and people are questioning Pittsburgh again. Kansas City still has not looked amazing to me. Right. They, they, they are – Obviously, when you have that offense, you're always going to be the f- a favorite. But they still don't look like they found that balance that they had at points during the season earlier. And then defensively, they haven't been as consistent that uh, considering the money that they spent to retain guys right. on that defense. It has not balanced out the same way that, th- that I thought that it would. Uh, I, I, I would still say the Saints, if not, are number one. They're number two at the lowest in the NFL at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I look at the Kansas City New Orleans game as one that would be akin to last year's San Francisco and New Orleans game. Like it could absolutely be that shootout, especially if Drew Brees does return for that game. Uh, I could absolutely see that being the case because Kansas City's defense is is weak. New Orleans's defense is is fantastic right now, but hasn't gone up against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? The difference maker being Patrick Mahomes. Like the receivers are the receivers, but the Saints have also gone up against talented receivers so far this season. The difference maker is Patrick Mahomes. And so what can you do to rattle him if at all? Um, all of those things like that's going to be the conversation between those two. But I think that that is a very different conversation than the conversation that you would have if say it was green Bay, Kansas city coming up, you would have a much more sort of, I think you'd be a little bit more sure of Kansas city in that matchup based on green Bay's defense and, and the lack of uh, production that they've had over there. Um, and the still volatile nature of Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, you know, like there, there's the potential for those guys to be the ones that soar you to an impressive victory, but they could also cost you a game. You know, there's still a volatile variance there that you don't have with the Drew Brees that you can have with the Taysom Hill. But to be completely honest, like we still haven't seen Taysom Hill lose you a game yet. You know, the, the fumble in the red zone in, against Atlanta was the closest that we've seen to that, you know, but the difference is the defense. The difference is the defense, which is so wild to say about New Orleans because that has not been the reputation of New Orleans' defense for some many, many years now. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a, they, they have a more positive, I think, outlook going into that game in particular than maybe Green Bay would going up against Tennessee, for instance, later on in the season. Let's end on something like um, the awards races, which don't really mm-hmm. matter, but they matter. Yeah. Um, so an extra paycheck. Yeah. Uh, for Alvin Kamara, is he still the favorite for Offensive Player of the Year? Because it's, it's certainly uh, he's not going to get MVP at this stage. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, but Offensive Player of the Year, Taysom's hurt him. I mean, it it, 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 it is. It, yeah, it has. Yeah, that that has hurt. And, and, you know, he's down now to, I think, third or fourth in all-purpose yards, where, or excuse me, scrimmage yards, which is where he's been at the top of for 
the entire season so far. He's fallen back in the receiving category where he was up there in the top five with some of the the best receivers in the NFL. We kind of expected that to drop off a little bit once Michael Thomas came back, but now the added sort of, you know, uh, weird relationship between he and Taysom Hill on the field relationship between he and Taysom Hill, particularly in the passing game has hurt, but you know, he also, you know, gained 80, 88 yards on the ground in this last game and scored his second career touchdown against the Falcons. So he's just finding production in other ways, but I do think that it puts him behind a bit in that conversation for offensive play of the year, not to the point where he's not in the conversation. Cause right now I don't know that there's a clear front runner at the moment, I would dare say, because I think you can look at a guy like, Justin Jefferson, who's been phenomenal as a receiver so far this season, but he's going to take the lead, I think, in the offensive rookie of the year conversation mm-hmm. over Justin Herbert, who just got embarrassed by Bill Belichick last week. Uh, so I think that Alvin Kamara can still continue his way into that conversation. I think he's still in there. I just don't think he's necessarily a front runner at this point, but I also don't know how to identify who is right now. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, and then for pa- Sean Payton, the conversation for coach of the year is mm-hmm. very strange because there's no criteria for it. We always um, have an, a, a, a weird way of assessing who the coach of the year is. Sean Payton's also a guy who doesn't get nearly as much consideration because of what the Saints have done over mm-hmm. the years. He, he's, not, he's one of those guys who just perennially they don't talk about in the coach of the year circles. But this year, look, two seasons, like you said, eight games without your starting Hall of Fame starting quarterback, right. and you won them all. Your defense is top five in the in the league your offense is still putting up points you're still you're going to go likely perfect in your division and you're likely going to be the number one seed in the nfc when the whole division participated in an arms race in the offseason just to beat you right and you're the only one living up to expectations if not exceeding them right in that regard and you look around the rest of the nfc well the packers are the packers and there's a relatively weak division. Right. And so you're not really surprised that the Packers are what they are right now. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say you're surprised that Seattle is the is leading the NFC West. The East ain't nobody coming out of there. Uh, no. In the AFC, who are we talking about, really? You're talking about, are you going to give it to Andy Reid for bringing the Super Bowl champs back? No. I mean, no, like, you're, you're not. just not. Yeah. So to me, it's it, it comes down to Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to, to Sean Payton. And maybe we're talking about – I mean, I don't even I would, want to say in Buffalo because are yeah, they that no. much different than last year? Is Buffalo no. really that much better than they were last year? Right. The, the only other quarterback – I mean, excuse me, coach that I would throw into that conversation is Brian Flores. That would be the only other yes. one that I would throw there. Just yes. because, like, usually coach of the year goes to – or uh, one of the most consistent criteria that we've seen, or at least items of criteria that we've seen for coach of the year – is a coach for a roster that's outperforming itself. And Miami is absolutely, that roster is outperforming itself. And so I think Brian Flores is somebody that deserves at least a mention there. I think you could throw Mike Vrabel in there, but they've had so many ups and downs this season mm-hmm. that I think it's a little bit tougher now at this point. But those would be my three. And, and the order for me still at this moment is Mike Tomlin, Sean Payton, Brian Flores. But I think that if Sean Payton manages to win, not even say manages, excuse me, but you know, if, if, if the Saints win that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that that thrusts Sean Payton up to the top of that conversation. It's hard to ignore 11 and 0. Now you have to maintain that because even 15 and 1 is enough of an anomaly that that would be enough to make that argument for Tomlin. Um, 
and the, the division that, that the Steelers are in. Yeah. Because yeah. the Ravens and the Browns are both in that division. Yeah. And if nothing those, else. Yeah. Yeah, if nothing else, the way that the Browns are performing actually helps Mike Tomlin in that conversation, right? Because he's keeping pace at the top of that division. That's a great point. So I think that like that's Mike Tomlin has, I think, the clear, clearest path right now. But or at least a path that's already started to be cleared for him, let me say it that way, while Sean Payton still has a very clear path to get there and leapfrog to get to the top of that. But I think that if if he wins that game against Kansas City. I don't Especially, think there's any argument at that point. And if Reese doesn't play the game against Kansas City, <laughs> right, right, yeah, then, yeah. then they need to bring the trophy over to his house. If, yeah. if they beat you Kansas just, City and Drew Brees ain't playing, yeah, you just settle that week fifteen. Just, just oh, send it. Just stop. You're just all stop. good. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> it's, done. it's done. I think that you know we talked about this with Trey Hendrickson too. Is right. He's likely, you know, if, unless the Saints make the Super Bowl, of course, he's likely going to be a Pro Bowler. The Saints mm-hmm. probably, you know, not Pro Bowl. The Saints could have what they they had their record last year. I think they could break it this season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch because here's the other thing too: is even if the Saints do go to the Super Bowl because the Pro Bowl is virtual, right? Even those those Super Bowl the, even those Super Bowl players are still Pro Bowl players. You know what I mean? So I think they could. I think they absolutely could because you look at like Toronto Armstead has been outstanding. Ryan Ramchick has been outstanding. You might be able to make an argument for Eric McCoy. Uh, who's also been great. He's struggled a little bit over the middle of the season, but he's he's back to looking pretty good from where he was at the beginning of the season. And, and once um, you're in, and Eric McCoy got so much attention last year, you know how it goes. Yeah. Once yep. they, you're in, you're in. Yeah, exactly. So you can repeat easily. Um, Alvin Kamara will be a pro bowler. Uh, there's a chance that Michael Thomas is still a pro bowler just by name recognition. Like he could, I don't think that he... Should be just not no no slander to him, but I mean he hasn't played enough games, but he could still end up in there because of just name recognition and him getting voted in based on that, uh, and it's just because it's I think it's six six players for each position at this mm-hmm. point. Um, Will Lutz could be a guy that gets in there, uh, and then several over on the defensive side with Hendrickson, with Janoris Jenkins potentially. Marcus Williams has played very well. C.J. Garner Johnson's name recognition is really high up there. Demario Davis is definitely one of those guys. So there's enough. I mean, there are and enough Cam potential too. players. Cam, I mean, yeah, Cam, Cam has the respect that people will just yeah will give him a chance. Yeah. David Onyemata's got what six six acts so far this season on the interior, like. They, there's a lot. I mean, and then of course, Marshawn, who's been there before and can get there again, you know, and therefore can get there again. There's a lot of opportunities for this team to, to break that, to break that number. This is the part of the year that everybody's been waiting for. This is the closing kick now or yep. to it. And so I'm excited about this. I think again, the saints couldn't have asked if we said at the beginning of the year with all this considered the things that they've went through and the injuries this year, if you would have told this team before all of this, that they'd be sitting here at this point with only two losses and a right. nine-game win streak? I, I, I don't know if I would have believed that. <laughs> if you told me that Mike Thomas and Drew Brees right. were only going to play two games together through this session, at this point of the season, that Taysom Hill got three starts, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, there's there's no way I'd say that they would, that I would have guessed that this is where they'd be. So it's – if you're the Saints, you've outkicked your coverage and you're still in position to win and get everything that you wanted – that you set out for as your goals from the beginning of the season. 100%. That's that's masterful. Yeah, absolutely. They've been outstanding. They've been incredible. And this is uh, another testament to, you know, Sean Payton and everything. Like when he, when he kind of went back to the drawing board after those three, seven and nine seasons, 
every single, every one of those changes that they made, you know, moving training camp, even just little things like moving training camp back to new Orleans and, and, or Metairie and all the things that they've done and all the adjustments that he's made to this team. It's, it's been incredible. As much as uh, just to put a bow on it, as much as people will talk about the 20 years of what the Patriots have done. And, and that's yes, nine Super Bowl appearances, six wins. Right. That's particularly in the post in the post free agency era that may never happen again. Mm-hmm. But for the 15 years of what the saints have done and looking at for that organization, for, for the saints organization for the last 15 years and what Sean Payton has been able to accomplish with continuity Right. Um, and what Mickey Loomis, again, we can't ever leave that front office out of this because the way that they've been able to handle the cap and keep right. talented players on board for these past several years and doing that and looking at it against the, what Eagles are doing, where you right. won a Super Bowl three years ago. Right. Three years ago, you won the Super Bowl. You haven't had a losing season until this year. You had nine and seven, nine and seven, and then you bottomed out this year. You're about, your coach could get fired. Sean Payton went three years with seven and nines and has gone 10 years past Super Bowl appearances. And there is no threat to his job security yeah. whatsoever because Not you feel as if the, the ship is still going in the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when the worst season that a coach gives you over the course of 15 years, you know, is seven and nine, you'll take that. <laughs> you'll take that. You know what I mean? Because even Bill Belichick finished lower than that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, there, you got three and 13 teams out there amongst some of the best coaches in the NFL. Sean Payton's worst season, seven and nine. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, really, it's him and Mike Tomlin. Because yeah. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. He's never had a losing season. It's incredible. Which people sleep on. The dude's right. been there a decade and never had a losing season. It's, a, it's amazing. And, they want, done, and there are people who want to fire him, which I don't. It's, like, well, who are you going to get that's better? That's always the question to me, is when you say yeah. you want to fire somebody. Right. Who out there is going to do better than this? Yeah. Like, we all agree that the Saints defense was struggling early this season. There were a lot of calls about, like, fired in his Allen, fired in his Allen. And it was like, and hire who? <laughs> and, it, you know, because you can promote Aaron Glenn all you want, but it's still going to be Dennis Allen's defense in that case. Like, you just, it's just it's the next step. Like, it's the same defense. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, um, <laughs> tell them, as we do, tell them all the things you got coming the rest of the week uh, and where they can find them. Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate you, as always. Uh, first and foremost, every Wednesday here, Don't Patrol Hard Paint, David Grubb. You catch the uh, podcast Locked on Saints every Monday through Friday. Uh, what did I do today? I did Film Watch Wednesday broke down both of Taysom Hill's touchdowns and that great uh, communication. Marcus Williams, P.J. Williams, the fourth and goal uh, touchdown that they avoided for Julio Jones. Uh, so broke that down as well as the end zone and Julio stories. Jones. Those things don't. Yeah. Make. We, who like who yeah. Leo Jones. Um, but, <laughs> uh, and then we have our crossover episode tomorrow with uh, locked on Eagles, Louis DiBiase and I going through what are like, the guys, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camerlini, like the perfect so names Philly. for Philadelphia. That's so so, their names eat cheesesteaks. Like it's incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's perfect. Um, and then I uh, got a couple more pieces coming out this week over at, at um, Canal Street Chronicles, including an upcoming YouTube video. And then we have uh, the betting article coming up later on this week. Broke down the defensive line performance that came out on Monday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I'll be, you know, a couple of radio appearances here and there throughout the week up ahead of the game. But, you know, that's it, man. It's, it's a busy week, but it's a fun week. And y'all follow him at Ross Jackson Nola. Yes, please. On Twitter. Go follow him. 
and like I said, um, and check out Canal Street Chronicles and uh, everything. Just type in Ross Jackson, Google it, and it'll be on 35 different platforms. I've, I need to Google myself. I need to see what comes up. I like to Google the other David Grubbs <laughs> because a lot of them are, are old that sounds white vindictive, men. man. That sounds, there are every, like, every, oh yeah, yeah. I'm the only black David Grubb. So yeah. I like to look at that and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's see all these other David um, Grubbs and see if I can steal their, their identities one day. Yeah. I'm fairly were. certain. I'm fairly certain I'm the only black Ross Jackson. You sure? I you think sure? So. I haven't yeah, found my, another one. All right. I don't feel, I don't feel like there's no, like there's no ancestral connection that tells me that there is one out there. I'll check back in, but like there's, there are like four David Grubbs on Twitter. And so like two of them follow me who I have no idea who they are. We've never met. We've never conversed, (laughs) but I guess they just like following David Grubbs. So (laughs) I hope I'm entertaining them. David of the clan Grubb. We might be fam. I don't know. We might. I don't know. I mean, hey, like, I didn't get this shade because I'm pure-blooded. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. right. (laughs) And I have met some of my grub grub cousins. That is always cousins. Yes. That's so dope. You know, it's that very old, like, it's, uh, for a lot of us, I'm sure it's the story. There's a town in in Virginia. I think I told you the story. It's called Whitfield, Virginia, and that's where my family's Uh from. And like, my dad's side of the family, and there is a little de- literal demarcation of the white grubs on one side and the black grubs on the other. Yeah, um, and it's it's very weird because it's when you go back there, and I don't go there often, and it's been a I while since I have you. been. But the last time I was there, I remember like just you look in the phone book, and it's grub 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 grub. I've never seen. Wow, it's the only place where like half the phone book was grubs. Do you, you know? do you do you ever go and just like run circles in the white grub part of the neighborhood for fun? No, we didn't do that. No, my dad told me not to do that. When we were you should, like, you no, should do that. that. Not in Withville, Virginia. Man. No, <laughs> not in Withville, Virginia. Does that sound like the kind of place that you want to be running around at night? All like, right, you don't all know right. All right, I guess. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to be running around. <laughs> be inside after dark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I remember y'all- those days. <laughs> Y'all know how you can find me at DM Grub on Twitter, on Instagram, and of course the website HITPWithDG.com. If you're looking for something for Christmas, man, that's the place to go. There's a shop. There you get go. some stuff. Got socks, got jerseys, got all kinds of stuff. Whatever you want, stocking stuffers, man, it's, it's there. It's there. Get it. Support. Support. And I, I do have to thank folks because we're about to hit 9,000 with the podcast. Hey, congratulations, Joe. I'm that's like, dope. Yeah, for, to start in July and, and do what we've done, and you're a big part of that absolutely hey um, man so that nine thousand you're in that you know that number is, is is a big lift has been lifted by you so i appreciate that and everybody's come on but it's been i could not have imagined going from radio to this this year doing both and transitioning mm-hmm. that it, that the reception has been as good as it's been um and and again you know we only got like maybe you and i got one more of these because we ain't gonna do christmas week so right. we got one more of these coming up before the end of the year. And um, maybe maybe two. We might get one after post Christmas. Might get one after that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, man, if, if you know, whatever, just thank you again for, for everything that you've done for me and for the for the pod. Hey, man, same to you, dude. Same to you. Like, we, we have helped to advance each other, which I think is a very important part about what we do and who we are. It's something that's very important to both of us to not only, like, take steps forward and open up doors for ourselves. We hold the door open for each other at all times. And so it's, you deserve it, man. You deserve it. Like, I'm glad to have contributed to it, but that's, that's your shit, bro. 
and <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> I appreciate that. So for Ross and myself, um, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back again the next week um, for another edition of the Dome Patrol. And I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Hard in the Paint. Talk to you soon. Peace.